Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Well, it's good to be back here with you guys. I did take uh, some time off last week. We had a little family vacation, which was a lot of fun. And then Corrine and I took a vacation from our vacation. If you guys know what I mean, it's like, yeah, family, that's fun. Okay, give me some time now, right? Um, so it was great. I want to just share with you your being here, taking the time to get the kids ready, to make the effort to be here. I don't take lightly. We don't take lightly. We do this with the hopes of it being profitable for you in your life, for you being encouraged, for you being strengthened, for you being challenged, for you encountering God in some way. It is our goal for that to happen. And we recognize you make an effort, and all the efforts that's made here is because we want to meet that need that is there and that we are all hungry for. And so again, thank you guys for being here. This morning, we are going to continue our Wisdom 2.0 series. And before we do, I just want to pause, I want to pray, and I want to allow our minds to settle down maybe from the hectic time that it was to get here and allow the Spirit of God to do His work in our lives. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for air conditioning. Thank you for the comforts that we have. And thank you, Lord, that we have time right now that we can pause, that we can set aside, that we can give attention to you. And I pray, Lord, that that would take place. I pray that we would fight off distraction, that we would allow the things that you are wanting to minister to us to do just that. And I pray you would give me clarity of words and the ability to communicate the things that I believe are here in this passage, these passages, and to present them, Lord, in a way that will be helpful. Lord, once again, we recognize that this is time set apart for you to work in our lives, and we ask that you would do it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about hot, cool, and far out, dandelions, crocodiles, and seeds, good news and advice, and coffee with Michael Turner. I wasn't going to say his last name, but he's here, so I thought I would. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
We're going to start at verses 23 to 25, and we're kind of starting at the end and working our way backwards to see all that is presented here. Uh, We are trying to bring about more clarity on the wisdom that God has. Now, remember the Wisdom 2.0 series, the whole idea is there is a wisdom that comes from Christ. It's almost like a, a subversive wisdom that we're looking at. And starting at verse 23, we read, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. When I was in junior high school, I had some friends who were from Vietnam, and they, for some reason, looked to me to help them understand the English language, which was a mistake, but... I was their friend, and so that's the way it would be. And I remember at one time having a conversation, and someone said something, and I said, oh, that's cool. And they said, that's cool? And I said, yeah, that's cool. And they said, what does that, I mean, that's good. I mean, that cool means it's good. And they go, okay. And another time I said, oh, that's hot. And they go, that's hot? And I go, yeah, what does hot mean? It means that's good. Hot means good. Cool means good. I go, yeah, all these things mean good. It was funny when I said, you know, they asked me, do you think this is right? And I said, "Uh uh-huh. And they said, well, do you think this is right? And I said, "Uh uh-huh. And they said, "Uh uh-huh means yes. Uh Uh-huh means no. As I trying to communicate these things and we have hot and cool and don't even get me on far out, right? All these things mean good, even though that's not what they actually mean. I don't know when. Cool probably came in the 50s. I think it's a beatnik thing. I don't know. But far out, I'm pretty sure, was in the 60s. And in this time of generation, these words became something that meant something else. And and I think that that has happened to us with the words Christ and crucified. You see, when I say the word Christ, most of us automatically think Jesus. And when I say the word crucified, again, we probably think Jesus. But in the first century, when the word Christ was mentioned, especially to those who were Hebrew, what they thought was anointed one, Messiah, Savior. That is what the word means, and that is the title that is there. And so we think Jesus Christ, kind of first name, last name, but The title and what it represented is important, especially as you go through Scripture, to understand that Christ was more than just talking about a person. It was talking about a role that they believed this person was supposed to occupy. And when you would say crucified, what they would think is a death sentence, right? The idea of crucified is something that was criminal. It would mean that you are an enemy of Rome, or at least a victim of Rome and what Rome would do to their enemies. And so when they say Christ crucified, it was something that was startling to them. He will later, as we get on, we'll see that it was a stumbling block to the Jews because how could our Messiah be a criminal who is put to death? 
It would be like saying, here is a failed savior in their minds. And that's why this idea of wisdom and foolishness are being wrestled with here. Christ crucified was unimaginable to them. How can those two things go together? It's not supposed to be. And so proclaiming or preaching Christ crucified has a different meaning to them or at least a different reaction to them than it probably does to us who are more familiar with these words. It moved or changed the meaning. Christ crucified moved from meaning failure or weakness to redefining strength and wisdom. Jesus is reshaping reshaping not only what Christ means in their mindset, but also what wisdom and strength look like. It's redefining the presumptions that were there so that they see things in a new way. You know, last week we talked about starting with nothing and we looked at Paul, Saul to Paul's conversion. And we saw a man who was very intentional. We saw a man who had strength and had the right to go and take and arrest those men and women who were part of the way. And what had to take place for him was to go from a person who had all this power and all this strength and all this intention to a person who was blind. And instead of leading, he was now led. And instead of knowing what he was going to do, he had to wait. And we're really kind of continuing in this place. We're picking up from this place. Paul himself in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. We're seeing this overturning of what power meant. I'm in a position of power. I'm going to go and arrest and imprison. Now I'm in a place of power. Why? Because I am weak and it's God's power that rests on me. And take notice of the word Christ because again, it means more than just a person. It is a title that is connected now to this person. And so in chapter 1, back 1 Corinthians, verse 26 through 31, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Really, most of the people, or a good majority, were actually slaves. And so here he's talking to people who are not influential. I love the message translation. It says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. Were you a person of importance? Were you a person of prominence? Were you a a person who was in charge and could get things done? Most of them were not. He goes on in verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame 
the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Who were the wise that he's talking about? Who were the strong? And what does it mean, the things that are? There's definitely people that he had in mind. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, they would be those considered wise. There was Rome, the power. Those would be considered the strong, those who put the Christ to death. There was the empire, the things that are, the things that were controlling. And here is the subversive, the weak, the foolish, the things that are not that are going to change the things that are. Have you ever seen those YouTube videos of crocodiles getting the animal out of the river? You guys ever watch those things? No. (laughs) Where, you know, you see this poor little animal drinking water by the river and has no idea, you know, because you see the title, it says crocodile gets whatever. And all you see are these two little eyes, right, that are just kind of hovering at the surface. And sometimes you don't even see that if the muddy's muddy's watered. If the water is muddy, all of a sudden this giant beast comes up, takes this thing down, and it's over, right? And there was something there that they couldn't see, that they didn't know was there. There was something amazing and awful there that they were unaware of. You know, when... Jesus talks about the gospel. When he talks about the kingdom of God, it starts off like seeds. It starts off like something you wouldn't even notice. And then it grows to something. It's leaven that takes place in the whole dough. I'm not a baker, so I don't know how it works. But it just you put it in there and it grows. It permeates through the whole thing. And this is something that we have to understand. This is what is happening here. God is taking what is foolish, these people, these slaves, these people who aren't prominent. God is taking the things that are weak, a Messiah being crucified, and he's making something out of what isn't that would dominate what is. And it's only when we accept the weakness that is in us that we're able to open up to the strength that is beyond us. Our righteousness, this holiness, this redemption is found in this weakness, this foolishness of what is Christ crucified. You know, if you think about the biggest moments in our life, usually there's a handful of things that shift our lives' direction. There's a lot of small things that might take form, but there's usually only a handful of things that really 
jolt us and move us from one place to another. And if you think about the things in your life, most of those things are difficult. Most of those things are hard. It could be the loss of health, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one. It could be an accident. It could be finding out some bad news. These kinds of things have a way of shaping us like nothing else can. They have a way of awakening us to things that we were unaware of before. And when we come to a place where we are helpless, that is usually the place when we actually ask for and find And that's what Paul meant when he said his strength, God's strength, was perfected in his weakness. When I am unable to do anything, God is still able to do something. When I have no power, that's when his power seems to show up. And oftentimes we are or at least I am, I'm always fighting to hold on to control. I'm fighting to hold on to the ability to manage these things, that there is such a, a war within me to, to relinquish my control, to relinquish my power. And it's very much like the addict, right, Who who's going to say, I don't have a problem, I don't have a drinking problem, I don't have a drug problem, I don't have whatever this problem is. And they go and they fall and they stumble and they make a mess of their life. And one day they say, my life is unmanageable and I can't handle it anymore. And bam, God shows up. And all of a sudden, now they're living sobriety. How? They surrendered. They admitted weakness. And it's not until that admission that there is strength given. This brokenness is a part of this message, right? Jesus talked, unless a seed fall to the ground and dies, it cannot produce. You know, I was watching something on dandelions, you know, and you pick them up and you blow them and they're fun, but it isn't until the wind comes and carries and blows off those little things and they start floating around and then they actually land in the ground and they grow and reproduce. Your life, my life does not grow until things start to be removed, until there is this death until there is an acknowledgement of weakness until there is surrender and when that happens you start to be stripped away of what you thought you were so that you could become who you need to be and there's no easy way to go through that journey. It's never an easy thing to be stripped away of things that you want to hold on to. Whether it's pride, whether it's, again, an addiction, whether it's uh, even some comforts that are harmful to us. There's no easy way to get those things removed and it not feel like some kind of trauma. It is. It is traumatic. 
Luke chapter 5. Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love J.B. Phillips. He says, called sinners to change their ways. Well, how do we repent? How do we change our ways? By becoming weak, by believing in what was thought to be foolish. Christ crucified. The wisdom and power of God. Verse 20, Corinthians 1 says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world by, through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. What was the foolishness that was preached? Christ crucified. This is where it starts. This is where strength is found. Weak is the new strong. What was considered a failure, what was considered foolish, is where God starts to do something amazing. You know, the word gospel means good news. And news is different than advice. Advice is me, you know, hey, I think you could do this and things might be better. News is actually about something that has happened after which things will be different. Right? The good news, the gospel, is about what Christ did that has changed everything. It's not here, I hope that you, you do these things, follow these things so that you can, you know, have a nice, comfortable life so that you can, you know, get your home and get, you know, I don't know, whatever. Cookies came to mind. I don't know, because cookies seem fun and warming, except on a hot day. Good news is not about advice that's going to make you happy. Good news is about something that has happened that has changed everything. And what is the good news? It is Christ crucified. The power and wisdom of God. And we have to maybe step back uh, from some of the ideas that we have had or maybe some of the preconceptions that have taken root in us. Maybe it's from a tradition that we've come from or just the way we've been raised. Because if you believe in a faith system that requires your abilities to make it to God, you do not believe in gospel. If you believe in some kind of system where might makes right, then you don't believe in gospel. 
If you believe in some system where only those considered wise can represent God, maybe those who are, are ordained, those who have certain knowledge, then you don't believe in gospel. Because what gospel is, is weakness of humanity. What gospel is, is wisdom found in your bankruptcy. What gospel is, is what you cannot give, but God has given to you. The good news is what has already been done, not what you have to do. And this finds us wherever we are at. And what makes this good is that you, in your circumstance, maybe you have gone through some kind of devastation and you feel like you're at the end and there is no more for you here. That's where God starts. That's where the seed dies. That's where good news begins. Maybe you can't figure this out. You don't know how to go through. You don't know what to do, what steps to take. That is where the wisdom of God finds you. You are not in charge of your life if you thought you were sorry to break it to you but happy to break it to you we have so little control over what happens to us we don't have control over much of our health oh yeah we can eat right we can exercise but i know plenty of people who are healthy who have had cancer I know plenty of people who found themselves in very prominent jobs where the business failed. Wherever you are and the weakness that is there, God can find you and God can give you wisdom and strength. The way of Christ, the truth of Christ, the life of Christ is Christ crucified that is gospel. That is what has been done. And it has changed everything. God is rewriting this rule book. It is no longer about those who are in systems of power and those who are in charge. It's no more about Rome being the dominant influence. You know, Rome was known for making peace by killing everyone who was their enemy. All right, that's one way to do it. Did it work? No. Christ makes peace by making everyone family, by bringing us in to this gospel. Gospel is a God who reached us when we could not reach him. There's a passage in John that it's just, I love it. it, it it's very... It seems cryptic, but it's very illuminating. It's in John 5, where Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Eugene Peterson translates this, The time has arrived, I mean right now, when dead men and women will hear the voice of the Son of God, and hearing will come alive. 
See, we want to know, what, what do I have to do to find God? What do I have to do to be right with God? Well, those who are dead will hear and live. Those who are weak will find his strength. Those who are considered foolish and those were all those who were following him, those fishermen, those tax collectors, those prostitutes, those foolish people, those sinful people will find him. The time has arrived. We are being made aware of what wisdom looks like from God's perspective. We are being made aware of what strength looks like from God's point of view. And it's so contrary to our way of living. It's so contrary to the culture of Rome, and it's so contrary to the culture that we live in today. And yet it is what Christ is about. And it is drawing us into this presence. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, going back and says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That word perishing Apollyon, it means to make void or to bring to nothing. It is not past tense. It is not passive. It is actually active. Those who are in the process of perishing. We are perishing when we don't believe the gospel. When our lives are not formed by Christ crucified. Last Thursday, I think it was, when I had coffee with Michael Turner. Well, he had coffee I had tea because I'm old now, and if I drink coffee late. (laughs) He was telling me about when he was younger and going to church, how every week he would answer the altar call. Every week he would go forward. I think he said he was about eight years old, right? And the pastor would say something, and he was like, man, I got to go forward. I got to get saved. I got to get saved again. And there was this, you know, constant having to step into this role because he just felt like he wasn't where he needed to be. And it wasn't that it didn't take. It wasn't that God said, okay, nope, that didn't work. You better do it again. It's that something inside of him, if I've got this right in our conversation, was telling him he still needed to be something else, right? And the whole idea of being saved is also imperative. It's something that is consistently moving. It is a... a, present imperative where it is telling us you're doing something. So their perishing is active and the being saved is active. There are these things that are active and not stagnant, not passive. Being saved, like perishing, has movement. It is a present 
imperative decision that we are making. And we are always making these decisions. Salvation isn't just something that happened once to you, but something that is continually happening to you or in you. God is constantly moving us and the way he moves us and the wisdom of God is through our weakness. It is finding him instead of finding more of ourselves. Salvation isn't something that is in the past. It is something that is growing in the present. Christ crucified is the good news that God is with us where we are at. You guys are familiar with the prodigal story, the the two sons. And and it's interesting because there's something in common with both of the sons. Both the son who wandered and the elder son who stayed at home. Right? The... Son who wandered, the father told him, this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And to the elder son, he said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. They were both sons. Nothing they did changed that. They were both loved and nothing they did Change that. We are always in a place where we are welcomed. The younger son who was wandered had to turn to the father and go back. The elder son were left kind of hanging, wondering what did he choose? Did he choose to accept the father's understanding of who he was Or was he going to rebel? And he was speaking really of Israel and those who were in that religious tradition. Would you accept the fact that I love you and I love them? Or will you turn away because my love is too great? And it's not in your ability, but it's in my love. That is weakness. That's not wisdom. That seems foolish. That is Christ crucified, and that's showing up even in this story. Whether we're wandering away or whether we're being reminded, there is the invitation to come back to the place where God is sufficient for us, where his strength is made home in our weakness, where the love of God can be grasped not because of what we do, not because of all that we know, but because of Christ crucified. The wisdom and power of God. You know, there comes a time where we always have to kind of recalibrate our lives, at least me, where we have to kind of shake and see the things that settle. And maybe you find yourself in a place where, man, I I just don't know. Am am I doing the right thing? Parenting? Am I helping my kids? Should I put my kids in school or should I have homeschool them? Or should I put them in private school? Should I take a second job so I can afford the private school? Should I go to this place? Should I do these things? And you find your place just wondering about these things. Sometimes we need to shake things and pause and say, okay, what matters most and what we need to recognize right here in this place 
is that there is sufficiency that I don't need to be more. What I need is Christ to be present where I'm at. What I don't need to do is have more ability, more strength, and do more things. What I need to do is allow God to be present where I'm at so that the things I do move from the right place to the right place. And I know that life is not easy. I know that there is pain here. I know some of your stories and I know some of the things that are going on. And you guys know of the situation with the people we love and the struggles that they are in. And it's not easy. And maybe you are struggling. Maybe right now you feel the weakness. Maybe right now you feel like you don't know what's going on. And I want to make opportunity for you here this morning to come to Christ crucified. Find strength and wisdom for your life today as you move forward. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to feel like someone is taking a limb off of you because giving up control is so hard. Wanting to make ourselves feel better. So many times we have to first come to the place of surrender. Like that dandelion that those seeds are being removed so that they can grow to something else. Things have to change and we have to be stripped away of maybe it's pride. Maybe it is a way of thinking of trying to muster ourselves up. Maybe it's a, a sin or something that we're doing that needs to be removed. There needs to be a change and it's not always easy. But here is the opportunity for it to take place. I'm going to have Randy come up and he's going to lead us in some songs. And I'm going to have Ted and Beth come up and they're going to be up here to pray with you. So that if you find yourself in a place and you need prayer because you are going through something, they're not here to answer your questions or or tell you what to do. You might want to share what's going on. You just might want Prayer, just say, I need help right now where I'm at. They're here to acknowledge with you that Christ is here, the Christ who is crucified, the good news of what has taken place already that now changes everything for us where we are. And I want you to stand up and get the help in your time of need by just having someone pray with you pray over you. If you want to share with them what's going on, you can, and they can pray over that situation. But I don't want you to leave here this morning without knowing that God has extended himself to you. When I was talking with Michael, he said that one of those times when one of the elders of the church just prayed over him, that it was a time that marked a difference for him. And again, it wasn't that he had to get saved over again. It's just that there was a time where he had to acknowledge there needed to be change. And there was a time that marked for him significance that God met me there. I don't want you to leave here without that taking place. If you need that, God is here to meet us. Let's worship the Lord. And as you fill the need and pull to just have
prayer for whatever the situation is. I pray that you would stand up and you can go to Ted. You can go to Beth. You can come to myself. I'll be up here as well. We want to pray over you. We want to pray God's strength in your life. We want to pray God give you wisdom and God transform where you are to where you need to be. Lord, thank you for your words, for your grace that is sufficient, for the good news that has already taken place, taken place, Lord, and for what you are desiring to do with us and the condition that we are in. Do your work, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. I know there are still needs that are here. I know there are still people who are going through different things. And again, you don't have to come up here to get prayer. You can always come up afterwards if you want to. don't want to come up while people are watching. But most importantly, I want you to know that God is available through Christ for you. That you need to saturate yourself in conversation with God, in prayer and meditation. Seeking after the Lord through reading, through hearing talks, pursuing. Jesus said, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open to you. If you ask, he will answer that it is his pleasure to give you the kingdom. Know that this is the good news, that this is the foolishness of God, that he is available to all of us now where we are at. May the Lord guide you in the spirit of Christ to follow after him in how you live and how you think. May it change your life from this day forward. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.